Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. No matter what week one lives through, the Torah always finds a way to speak to it. And I say it that way with Torah as the subject of that phrase, rather than saying that we always find something in the Torah that is relevant. Because I want to reinforce this sense of animating the Torah. An ageless sacred text, one endowed with divine sparks. A text that in our tradition almost itself has a will. So yes, I hear the Torah talking to us every week, especially this week. Today, we ended, or we're ending a terrible and terribly important week. In a sense, it was a week in which democracy almost lost. But I also think it was a week in which democracy and America were ultimately victorious. We hit a nadir but we climbed back towards an apex too. And I feel today both wounded, but also hopeful. And again, the Torah is whispering to me. One could argue that the most significant verse in the book of Exodus Shmot, which we just began reading today, is chapter 1, verse 8. We didn't actually read this particular verse in our reading today, but it's part of the Parsha. There arose a king over Egypt who didn't know Joseph. Because that verse sets the conditions for the Israelite oppression and thus for our eventual exodus and redemption and receiving of Torah. The verse begins the transition in Egypt from thriving to slavery, from a society working to a society utterly broken. And it begins with what the Midrash considers an almost intentional not knowing, a willful ignorance of reality. Come on. How could a sitting Pharaoh not have known Joseph and what he did for Egypt? It's impossible to fathom. It must be that this new king did indeed know, but pretended not to. Something we all do at times. Why might Pharaoh have done that? So that he has an instant pretense to demonize others, to change his decrees, to subjugate a people, and to wield authority with no bounds and no self-sacrifice and certainly no care for others aside from himself and those that are his. Now, our versions of willful not knowing may not be as draconian in their impact, but we are guilty of it in our own way, to our and to others' detriment. 
I was struck by my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi David Ingber's noting the uncanny and timely resonance of our being reminded this week of the cost of not knowing, not acknowledging a Joseph then and now. Joseph, the son of Jacob, then. Joseph Biden, now. Not knowing and not acknowledging is different than not praising or not loving or not supporting or not cheering. Not knowing, refusing to know when it is willful is the beginning of the end of a world that makes sense, where basic systems work. This past week's blight on our nation stems from many sources. We like to think things simply, but they are often complex. But at the core, the rage on the street leading from the White House to the Capitol, fomented by the President of the United States, stemmed from a portion of our population who refused to know, refused to acknowledge this generation's Joseph, who refused to know and accept what is eminently knowable, what is in fact known already. This rejection of knowledge is a Pharaoh-like stance, and our society cannot abide by it. Whether one thrills at the notion of a Biden presidency, and I know many of you do, or is wary of it for any number of reasons, and I know many of you are, all honorable Americans must yodea, must know and aver and accept this Joseph. That in and of itself does not bring peace to our polity, but it is needed, and it's an overdue start. Now that's Shmote. One could argue that the most significant verse in the book of Genesis, the book of Breshit, which we finished last week, is chapter 4, verse 9, in which Cain, Cain, humanity's inaugural murderer, is set out as an archetype of the antithesis of everything good people should stand for. You know the scene. When questioned by God about where his brother Hevel, Abel, is, Cain says famously, Hashomer achi anochi, am I my brother's keeper? The Torah's silent but profound answer to that question is, yes, of course. And society after society founded on biblical ethics have reinforced that moral stance, never accomplishing it perfectly, but always at least reaching for it aspirationally. Yes, we are responsible for others. No, we cannot shirk responsibility for when we do what is wrong to others. No, we cannot turn away from our duty to ensure that our world is filled with what is right. Our world, our nation, both our Jewish nation and our American nation, are filled with many who are quite different and yet who share something essential. 
And I, for one, am optimistic that we are moving tentatively but confidently towards a society that revels in its multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-ideological pluribus cohering into a workable and even admirable unum. It will not happen overnight, but it must start today. And we all play a part. And it starts with yidi'ah, with basic knowing, intimate knowing. And I am optimistic that our jettisoning any affection for, or worse, fetish for, the core verse of the book of Exodus will bring us closer to inverting the core verse of the book of Genesis so that we can look out our windows at all the others, those with whom we agree and those with whom we vehemently disagree and say with a full heart, yes, I am responsible for you. Yes, I am claimed by you. Yes, I wish to build a world with you. An image became instantly iconic this week, even more so within the Jewish community and even more so within the shul-going, Torah-reading part of the Jewish community. It was of two women wearing masks. They were chamber assistants, essentially Senate aides, whose roles on that day would normally have been minuscule and perfunctory at best but which this week's events have rendered gargantuan. The image is of them carrying a leather box filled with electoral votes. The story is apparently that these two young women had the presence of mind, and I would add the courage, to protect and keep safe, and in this picture, transport those electoral votes before before fleeing the Senate, which is what they did next. Now, it would be hyperbole to suggest that had they not done what they did, our democracy would be dead. But it is more than resonant and accurate to say that these women, captured so resolutely in this image, helped midwife our democracy back to life. Harsha astute Jews could not help but think of Shifra and Pua, the two women midwives who defied tyranny and risked personal safety in order to keep babies alive, in order to make it possible that a nation would live. As the Torah reminds us, this Parsha and nearly every Parsha And as our society incessantly reminds us, there are always villains that must be confronted. And there are always heroes, too. Shabbat Shalom. 
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.